We've been going through the book of Ephesians for the last three weeks, and uh, this week is going to be the same. Uh, but as going back and studying this message, uh, I found that there are people that make their life's work to study spirituality and religion. Now, they themselves might not necessarily be spiritual, but they track and investigate why people are spiritual and what types of religious habits that people have. And their studies revealed that American and European people are very hungry for spirituality. But however, there is a move away from institutional religion, or in other words, church. People today want to customize their own beliefs. They want to mix and match uh, the different religions to fit their desires. Those same researchers asked the question, they took a poll, and they asked the question, do you think that you can be a very good Christian without attending church? And 84% of the people that they asked said yes, that they thought that they could be a very good Christian without the church. So today, in the second half of Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to ask the question, is the church important? Why is it such a big deal to be a part of a church? We're going to ask three specific questions today. How involved should we be in the church? What does a healthy church look like on the inside? And what kind of things will a healthy church be engaged in on the outside? So Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 11 is where we'll start. It says this. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision, that's the Gentiles, by which is called the circumcision, that's the Jews, which is made in the flesh by hands. Now listen to this. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. This verse spells out a problem that each of us would have had and would have experienced if we lived in the Old Testament times. That's if you're not Jewish. See, J.D. Greer says that in the Old Testament, to be separated from Israel was to be separated from God. See, if other nations in the Old Testament wanted to know God, they needed to change their culture and to join up with Israel. And they even had to go through painful surgery, painful ceremonial practices like circumcision and leave everything that you knew behind And in many cases, leave your family behind in order to be part of God's people. You had to become Israelites. But praise the Lord, things are no longer that way, right? I don't see any of us wearing a yarmulke out there, so. But before Christ, as Gentiles, we were strangers to the people of God. We were alienated. We could not apply God's promises to our lives. We had no hope, and we were without God. And Paul is reminding the Ephesians here, which once again is in modern-day Turkey, that as Gentiles, they were part of those alienated and separated people. Verse 13 goes on. It says, but now, in Christ, you 
who were once afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, and he has made us both, Jews and Gentiles, one, and has broken down in the flesh the dividing wall of hostility. See, because of Christ, we're no longer separated. We're brought close, we're brought nigh through the blood of Jesus Christ. We're no longer separated from his people, and now we are one with Israel, one with his children. See, in the Old Testament, even when a Gentile would convert to Judaism, there were still places that you could not go in the temple. There were still walls that kept anyone out that wasn't Jewish. And even there would be signs that said, hey, you're taking your life into your own hands if you go past this wall. But praise the Lord, when Jesus ripped the veil down on the cross, he also tore down those walls between his chosen people and us. See, we are, as Gentiles, are no longer second-rate citizens. We have the full privileges of his children. See, we must never forget that when Jesus told his disciples to go out into the uttermost parts of the world to reach those people, that he was talking about us. You are the uttermost. You are the effects of missionaries that went out into the world and told some people about Jesus. And that's why we're here in this beautiful building today. You are the uttermost. Why? Because America was not even thought of at that point. But because the disciples went to Rome and went to Greece and other parts of the world, we have access to the gospel today. So this should change our view on who we consider outsiders. Whether it be the unchurched or poverty-stricken or people of other cultures, people with different color skin, people outside of America, we should look differently on outsiders. Why? Because God's heart is taking the marginalized and outsiders and bringing them near by the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, it's obvious that we live in a country that's very divided, different groups of people, different political views, different cultural backgrounds. But be careful not to get prideful with the fact that you're a church-going American and how that makes you better than somebody else. Why? Don't forget that you were once an outsider. And it's only through the blood of Christ that we as Gentiles are now accepted and no longer strangers from God. Hey, this is the Bible. If this makes you feel a little bit uncomfortable, Hey, you just need to get, dive in there and don't glaze over these parts of the Bible. See, we must remember that we are all made in the image of God and every person is made in the image of God. So the life of every outsider that we would consider is precious and has value. Last week we learned how there's only one category of people and that's sinners. So we can't look down on other people. But what does this have to do with the church? What does this have to do specifically with me? Well, see, there used to be separation between Jews and Gentiles, insiders and outsiders. But in this next verse, God tells us that he has reconciled them both and made them one, a brand new people. And today we call it the church. This is the new people that he created. And we see that in verse 15. It says, by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might creating himself one new man in the place of two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. 
So we are now one body through the cross. People of all backgrounds, all cultures, all different skin colors and races can now come together because of Christ. And see, this is a uh, sign of a healthy church is the different types of people that it reaches. See, during this time in uh, Ephesus, Jews and Romans and Greeks, rich and poor, they did not come together except in the church. So if our church is full of just one age group and just one race, all with the same music preferences and styles, then that is a sign that we're not reaching our community. And we're, reach, uh, we're missing big swaths of people. See, if we only uh, reach middle-class white people, what is supernatural or miraculous about that? That happens at country clubs. It happens at country music festivals. That happens all over the world. But here, when you can look around and see people of every age, name, and race, it looks a lot like heaven. Praise the Lord. This is one of the things that drew my wife and I to this church. This church has all different age groups, young and old. This church has doctors and construction workers, lawyers and oil and gas workers, white-collar and blue-collar people. We have every class economically. We have people from all over that might not normally associate together. But this doesn't happen naturally. This is a sign of the Holy Spirit at work. And this is a sign that we have the most important thing in common, and that is Jesus Christ. See, we put our opinions and our preferences to the side so that we can reach the community. And praise the Lord, God is up to something big. See, our church's demographics should be a reflection of our community. Did you know that the median age of Clarksburg, West Virginia is 40 years old? Well, here at Clarksburg Baptist Church, it's 45. And I don't know if you've been in a church before, but that's pretty darn good, right? Hey, praise the Lord. Hey, our churches across America are growing older and older and older, and they're not reaching the, ne the next generation. But we have something special here, and we cannot take it for granted. Hey, people are getting saved, and CBC is ministering and reaching our community. We have young families when many other churches are growing old. I don't know if you know this, but we just had to knock a wall down in the nursery because we got too many babies. What does that mean? It means we're doing something right. So let's not necessarily sit back and think of how we would do things different. Let's get on board what's being done and let's praise the Lord for what's going on and let's double down on that mission. J.D. Greer says this, we are one race, human. We have one problem, sin, one solution, Christ, and one hope, the resurrection. Verse 17, he goes on. And it says, he came and preached peace to who? To you who were afar off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are a fellow citizen with the saints and members of the household of God. Hey, we are no longer strangers. We're no longer outsiders. If you walk into Jesus' house, you don't have to ask where the bathroom is. You don't have to, he doesn't have to say, hey, make yourself at home. You plop yourself down in that favorite chair of yours and you sit down. Why? Because we are part of the family now. We're no longer outsiders. We're no longer strangers. We have access to the Father. 
Verse 20 goes on, it says, The church is being built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. This is an awesome verse because it says that God is building a new people. The church on a strong foundation, his son, Jesus Christ, he is the cornerstone and he takes the weight and he holds it up. Phil Wayman does not build this church. Andy or, or the council doesn't build this church. Jesus Christ will be the one that will build this church. Why? Because he is the cornerstone and he is the foundation. This verse tells us that God is the architect and Jesus is the foundation and the builder is the spirit. So God builds it. Jesus takes the weight through the moving of the Holy Spirit. So we said all that to answer this first question. How involved should we be in the church? Well, you should be as involved in the church as you want God to be in your life. We talked about in our first series, remember that Christ loved the church and he gave himself for it. The Bible even calls the church Jesus' bride. He loves it. He's in love with it. The church is not just an accessory to Christianity. It's God's means to accomplish the mission in this world that is reaching other people with the gospel. The church is central and essential to your Christian walk. See, God no longer moves through a country. Now he moves through the church. And there's no denying that God's plan for you is to be an active part of a church body with Christ as the head of it. And if you uh, choose to disconnect yourself from the body, then you choose to disconnect yourself from something that God gave you. You cut yourself off from Christ the head when you remove yourself from the church. Now, is every church perfect? No, absolutely not. Open your eyes for about five minutes. You know why it's not perfect? Because it's made of imperfect people. And for us to walk in and and, and begin to uh, point fingers at people is us forgetting that we've got those three other fingers pointing back at us. Churches aren't perfect, but it's no doubt that God wants you to be a part of a church somewhere if you're a Jesus follower. Now, can God speak to you outside of church? Absolutely. Some of the times that God's spoken to me the loudest is when I was alone. But alone time with God does not take the place of gathering together as a church. And if you're looking for direction and help and community, understanding, togetherness, encouragement, God intends for you to get those things at the church if we're who we're supposed to be. So how involved should we be in the church? God's will is that you be very involved in the church. God loves the church. And if you're a follower of Christ and a member here at Clarksburg Baptist Church, God has a place for you to participate here at this church. Whether it's on the welcome team or kids church, clubhouse, youth group, prayer ministry, outreach ministry, security team, or even as something as simple as cleaning up a mess somewhere that nobody ever sees. You don't get any glory from it. And there's something beautiful about doing something with no strings attached. So what does a healthy church look like? A healthy church uh, will look like in a gospel-centered church is going to be diverse, a bunch of sinners brought together by their love for Christ. Lastly, what kind of things will a healthy church be engaged in? We're going to jump over to chapter 3 and verse 8 of Ephesians. 
Paul speaking here, he says, to me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known. Paul says here, hey, I have a mission. It's to preach the gospel, to light the world, to tell people about the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ. And through the church, the manifold wisdom, the abundant wisdom that God has could be known to the world. So that's our mission. Preach to sinners the unbelievable riches of Jesus. It's often uh, strange to me, and I feel it, so I, I'm not looking down on you if you feel this way, but it's strange to me that, that we sometimes are timid with the gospel. This is the best possible thing in the world. I'm worried about I'm going to offend somebody. You're going to offend somebody with the fact that God loves them and he sent his son to die for them? How is that possibly offensive? And if it's the truth... Does it really matter? We need to make people see their need for Christ, showing them the love of the gospel. And people's greatest need in this world is God's word and the truth of God's word. See, God gave the angels the privilege to announce the first coming of Jesus Christ. But God gave you the privilege to announce the death burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You are God's primary instrument to bring the gospel to people, to bring people into a fellowship with their creator. You are plan A and there is no plan B. And if we have church members could understand how much God loved the church and how much he wanted to do with it and had a big vision like God has for a church, and we were dedicated to make this church look like what God wanted to be, then we could accomplish the mission he's given us, getting the gospel out to the people that need it. So why should you care about this? Because don't you remember, you were once an outsider. You were once afar off. And our job is to make a clear path to Jesus for the people in Clarksburg, West Virginia. And this is why we attempt to clear hurdles that wouldn't make sense for someone that might not have a church background or distract somebody from the real message, Jesus Christ. Why? So that we can get them to Jesus. You remember the, the friends that uh, had that man that needed to be healed and they, they brought him on a stretcher and they took him to the roof and they ripped all the barriers away so that he could get to Jesus and they lowered him down. And that's what we're trying to do here. Strip everything away except for what's most important. And that's why we may not do church the same way that we did it 100 years ago. Because we aren't attempting to reach the people from 100 years ago. Our goal is not to be a museum on how church was done in our glory days. But be a hospital to reach the sick and the dying around us. Amen. It's all about making outsiders into insiders, just like Jesus Christ did for us. 
There is no plan B for Clarksburg, West Virginia. You are the hands and the feet. How can they hear without a preacher? How will they know unless someone tells them? You are God's primary instrument on earth to bring the gospel to people. Let's stand on our feet and bow our heads. The band's going to come. This is our time of reflection, our time of meditation for you to ask God, what do you do with this information you were just given? Maybe you want to come down this morning and thank God that he brought you near when you were afar off. Maybe you know someone that needs to hear the gospel and you're not sure how to tell them and you need help. Maybe you need one to come down this morning and ask God to help you. Maybe you, you can't think of someone that needs the gospel. Maybe you're not around sinners enough to be able to even tell somebody that. We need to branch out and you need to make community. You need to get involved in things where you can leverage your influence for the gospel. Maybe you've never once told someone about Jesus or invited someone to come and hear about Jesus. Well, you need God to give you that boldness and you want to come down this morning and ask for that. As the band plays, you're welcome. The altar is open this morning.